This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Virginia only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 532 3500. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to The Bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. It's Adam the Bull. It's a Wednesday, and this is The Bullpen with Adam the Bull, brought to you by Bet Rivers. On today's podcast, we talk with a Major League Baseball Hall of Famer, one of my all-time favorite players. I am so excited to talk with Andre Dawson, the Hawk, plus the All-Star Game, on the Wednesday edition of The Bullpen with Adam the Bull, brought to you by Bet Rivers. You're in the bullpen with Adam the Bull. All right, folks, we are going to talk with the great Andre Dawson, the Hall of Famer, in just a couple of minutes. Andre Dawson played in a bunch of all-star games. And last night in Seattle, great moment. The National League ends their long drought and for the first time in 11 years wins the all-star game by a final of 3-2. Now, the American League had won nine in a row. Of course, there was no all-star game the COVID season. So 2012 had been the last time the National League had won, uh, really since in the last uh, 30 years, the American League has dominated. They've won the majority of the All-Star games. Before that, it had been National League domination, but in the last 30 years, mostly been dominated. Uh, The American League had won nine in a row. The NL had won three in a row before that, and then the American League had another long streak before that. But uh, the game-winning hit, I mean, who had this on their bingo card? Elias Diaz. The Rockies catcher playing in his first All-Star game at the age of 32. Who had him even as an All-Star? I mean, he's having, he's having a heck of a year. I'm just saying, like, going into the year, you wouldn't have predicted him being, being an All-Star. You know, he's been a nice player, but you wouldn't have predicted him being an All-Star. It's the game-winning two-run homer in the top half of the eighth inning against Felix Bautista, the uh, closer for the Orioles. And the National League gets off the schneid. I thought they were going to lose again. Kimbrell got in a little trouble in the ninth, two on, two out, but he got Jose Ramirez. He struck him out to end the game. And that was that. One of the great moments in this game. Well, first of all, it was it was the first time uh, both Randy Arozarena and uh, Luis Arise were both caught stealing. It was the first time two guys were caught stealing in an All-Star game in forever. In fact, it's the first time anybody's been caught stealing, period, in an All-Star game in over a decade. Uh, one scary thing for if you're a Blue Jay fan, Jordan Romano left this game with an injury, so we'll have to keep an eye on that going forward. Uh, the MVP, obviously, is Diaz, who it's the game-winning home run. Uh, Yandi Diaz of the um, of the Rays hit a home run early, put the AL up one nothing, but they would only get one more run after that. And that was um, the RBI hit by, uh, I can't remember who knocked in the other run. Oh, it was Bo Bichette off the bench. By the way, I could not watch the All-Star game. I had to listen on the radio and and follow along because I have DirecTV, and I didn't even realize DirecTV has a problem with this company, Nexstar, who who owns Fox. You know, I don't know if it's Fox. I'm not even sure. I never watched the networks except for sports. And I don't know when this has been going on since, but I don't have Fox. I was like, what the hell? I can't watch the darn All-Star game. 
I was so ticked. So I had to just li- I, so I listened to it on the radio, but that was fun. But um, anyway, so the uh, American League, uh, the National League, comes out on top, three to two. Uh, and there you go, Kimbrel closes it down. I thought it might have been Hater, but uh, they go with Kimbrel. And uh, sixteen hits in the game, one error. But one of the highlights of the night was Shohei Otani. Just the the way the Seattle fans just went bananas for him. And what's really amazing with Otani, a couple things. First of all, he was asked before the game by former uh, outfielder Chris Young who he's most excited to be in the dugout with, and he said Jose Ramirez right here in Cleveland. Uh, he was excited about that because he said Jose's really funny. Um, but also the crowd just going nuts for him. Him talking, He talked about Seattle at another time about how much he loves Seattle. I mean, I think the Mariners are really in play for Otani. But it's really wild how the players, the other major league players, are in as much awe of Otani as the rest of us are. It's wild because at one point he was up and they were, you know, talking on the broadcast. Um, of course, I couldn't see it, but I watched the the replay today uh, on the highlights. And they're talking with Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. They're like, are you guys just like going nuts about Otani just like everybody else? And they're like, yeah, of course. The guy's the, one of the best hitters in baseball, one of the best pitchers in baseball in one body. Um, Apparently, Fox was showing like Alex Rodriguez and David Ortiz and those guys and Jeter on camera all the time. I don't know why anybody would want to see that. The uniform's awful. Just awful. What an embarrassment. Can Major League Baseball go back to the to the players wearing their own jerseys? I mean, that I love that about uh, the All-Star game. That was always great to me. I don't know why they've stopped doing that. I can't remember when that happened, but I hate it. I thought the uniforms were awful. I I hate I loved when when they'd line up for the All-Star game and you could see the different uniforms. I always thought that was so cool. These generic awful uniforms, brutal. They stunk. All right. <clears throat> when I come back, I am so excited. I've been talking about this for a week. Andre Dawson was one of my favorite players when I was a kid. Andre Dawson was an eight-time All-Star, so he's seen plenty of his All-Star games, and a Hall of Famer. Um, And he is going to join me in the bullpen coming up next. Where else but right here? Andre Dawson. Very excited. That's coming up next. Brought to you by Bet Rivers. You're in the bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, welcome back. Very excited about our next guest. We've been talking about it for a week. He is a Hall of Famer. He is one of the toughest guys I could ever imagine playing baseball. He was a great player for the Montreal Expos. And, of course, those great years with the Cubs after all the controversy where with the, the collusion, it was disgusting by Major League Baseball. And he, and he basically handed a blank check to the Cubs. And he won an MVP on a, on a Cubs team that finished last in 87 at the time was the only player ever to win an MVP on the last place team. Alex Rodriguez would do it 16 years later. And now it is such a pleasure to be joined by the great Andre Dawson. Andre, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure. Yes. And happy birthday. Yeah, uh, they're coming pretty fast (laughs) these days. So thank you again. Right. The older you get, the, the quicker they come, it seems, right? Yeah, but I'm thankful that I'm still able to wake up and say thank you, God, every morning. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I want before we get into your career, I know that you're you're very involved. Obviously, it's a big part of what you do with the HBCU Swingman uh, and, and the, the Swingman Classic. The All-Star Game uh, just happened this past Friday. It was a close game, 4-3, the final score. If you could talk about that a little bit, uh, how you thought it went and and why it's so important to you be, to be a part of it. Well, for these uh, student athletes, this was historical yeah. in a sense. And I think it's something that they're going to uh, obviously take with them, you know, the rest of their lives. And it's going to be an inaugural event. And I was very, very excited and happy when I was connected with and asked to be uh, a part of the festivities. And I do think that it was a success. There was a little rust, probably, and nerves uh, at the initial outset of the game. But uh, under, you know, uh, the final analysis, when you look at uh, everything it took uh, preparing uh, to pull the event off and uh, the final results to turn out the fan, turn out the support, and uh, the game being embraced by uh, all of the players, uh, we just look forward to it getting better next year. Uh, of course, it's going to be out in Texas, yeah. but we just look forward to the growth of it. And again, I think everyone really enjoyed themselves and uh, just made the most of it. Andre, this this past World Series in 2022 was the first World Series without an, a that that did not have either team did not have an American-born black player since 1950. The numbers of, of black players, American-born black players in the Ameri- in in the majors, has been declining. Is there is baseball doing enough, or is this an issue at the lower levels, at the little league, at the at the high school levels, to get more guys involved? Yeah, it's it's. I think baseball has extended itself uh, beyond expectations uh, to try and uh, revive baseball in uh, the inner city communities. Uh, the sport obviously has been lost over the past years. Uh, kids are more inclined to lean toward basketball and football. And despite what some say, it's, it's become an expensive sport. Yes, it has, but it has to start uh, at a very early age. And I think a lot of fathers are uh, sort of gearing their kids toward basketball and football. But I do think that it's a trend that's going to reverse itself. As I mentioned, baseball, with all of the initiatives uh, that have been put in place, is uh, surely extended its its best foot forward to change the circumstances. And I do feel that uh, it's just a matter of time before we get the kids a little bit more enthused and as I said, it it, it, it it takes a lot. It's, it starts again early. You don't want to start too late because you get lost in the shuffle. Our kids are playing the game year-round now, and uh, they are playing travel ball. Um, uh, so obviously, uh, this is something, uh, when you think about uh, kids in the inner city, they don't really play the game like that. But I just feel that it, it's a trend that's going to, uh, reverse itself and and hopefully uh, the sooner the better. Andre, you know, I mentioned before we started the interview that you were one of my favorite players as a kid. Who were your favorite players when you were a kid? Who did you, who did you admire and look up to 
as a as a young man? Well, that was that was, that was a that was a lot of talk at a very early age for me uh, in the household, and that was amongst uh, three of my uncles. They were L.A. Dodger fans, uh, but when you saw the game of the week, uh, which was usually on a Saturday, the names most often mentioned were Mickey Mantle, Willie Mays, Hank Aaron. So I um, I grew up trying to follow those individuals. Dusty Baker uh, was one of my favorites at an early age, I would say uh, more so around the high school and college years because of you know his um, enthusiasm, being a young player, uh, the way he went about his, his work ethic. And, of course, he was an outfielder, which is what I was at the time. So we became good friends once I met him. And obviously, over the years, uh, seeing what he has accomplished, not only during his playing career, but as a manager, uh, we've even grown closer. Right. But there were individuals uh, once you know I made it to the major leagues who I really admired and looked up to. Uh, Al Oliver being the consummate professional, uh, Tony Perez. Uh, Pete Rose, who were later teammates. So I look back uh, at, you know, my playing days. There were a lot of people who were influential and uh, who I obviously looked up to. Andre, that AstroTurf in Montreal, I know, just destroyed your knees. You still played great so deep into your career. I mean, you were just a magnificent player with the Cubs. But um, and and I know that was a big part of the reason, or I I think that was a big part of the reason why you wanted to get at, get out of Montreal, um, at the time. Do you think like it's amazing that you played as long as you did? But I'm curious, you know, there was always everybody would always say Andre has no cartilage in his knees. He's got to ice his knees for hours and hours. Is that actually? I mean, I'm sure the second part is true. Is it actually true? Did you actually did your knees get hurt so much? in Montreal that you had no cartilage and because ev- everybody that talks about you is like this guy, his routine to play was just crazy. It was, it was like unmatched. Did you, is it, is it as legendary as the report state? Well, Bull, let me just say this. Yes. It, even though I played the game yeah. uh, for 20 years, I, I set goals at the outset to play 15 years and I was able to, surpassed that but yes it was it was uh quite a a discomforting ordeal i had my initial uh, surgery as the result of a high school football injury and i think playing on the astroturf and favoring it uh for the duration that i was there i would wear down the other knee and it got to the point you know where yes obviously i was i was bone on bone had to take a lot of medication as a result but uh, one of the goals for me, I probably played the game a little bit longer than I should have, but one of the goals for me was to be able to give the uniform back as opposed to taking it have away, uh, having it taken away. And once I um, was able to get on the natural playing surface in Chicago, it was like night and day. I felt so much better. And that in itself, I think, was what really uh, extended my playing career. I earlier today, um, I went back and watched the video of when you got hit in the face by that bum. I'm going to call him a bum, Eric Shaw, and you were out. And Sutcliffe goes bananas and charges the mound, and let's hear it. Coming into this year, 
Dawson just had not done much at all against this fellow. A lifetime average of 091, three out of 33. Look out! Dawson is hit by the pitch. Oh, he got hit. Dawson hit by the pitch. It sailed up and in. Might have got it up. And Dawson is down. He did. I think he was beamed by that ball. And now Sutcliffe comes out. He's after Shaw. Brock grabs Sutcliffe, but now both benches empty as John Fierro tends to Andre Dawson at the plate. Dawson is still down. Still down. Boy, this looks terrible. Yes, it does. Because it didn't look, it didn't appear as if it got the uh, helmet. It appeared as if it didn't get the helmet. Well, generally, if it gets that helmet, you'll hear something. That's right. And we didn't hear anything. Oh. I hate to say that, but we just didn't hear it. There's some swinging going on in that pileup. Well, Dawson, we really don't have to say how much he's meant to this club, not only as a player and what he's done, but as a person. He hasn't moved a muscle either, gentlemen. He's getting up now. He's now slowly up to his knees. Dawson, Dawson wants Chow. Dawson gets up, and he's after Eric Chow. Yeah. He's being restrained. And here we go again. Sutcliffe after Chow, and Galen Sisko restrains Sutcliffe. And it flares up again. Bukovic went after him. Yeah, they're all going out now. The umpire is telling him to get out of there, go to the clubhouse. cold you could tell us but it seemed like you were out cold on the field and then of course every you know I don't know how many people know the story of course you do because it happened to you you jump up you go after Eric Shaw. I remember like watching the game and as a kid I couldn't watch the Cubs all the time living in New York but I remember by that point a friend of mine got one of those giant satellite dishes those old school satellite dishes and I'd go watch WGN at his house because I didn't have cable and so I would go watch WGN and I happened to be watching that game and I remember screaming at the TV, kill Shao. I'm like, I'm like going nuts. And what, so what can you tell us about that day and like everything that happened? Because your teammates were obviously furious. I think you'd hit three or four home runs. You had a home run earlier that day. You'd been killing the Padres, but that was disgusting what he did. And and I, I just wanted your recall of, of, of that day. Yes, it was, uh, I was, I was very hot at the time, uh, we happened to encounter the Padres. Uh, we were out in San Diego, and uh, the, the second game of the series, Mark Grant uh, was the pitcher. I hit two home runs in that game. And then on the third and final game, I hit a home run off of Eric Shaw uh, to knock him out of a ball game. So fast forward a week later, when San Diego comes to Chicago, it's like, 
almost deja vu. Um, we're facing pretty much uh, the same pitching. And uh, the same thing happened uh, in game one against uh, Mark Grant. I hit another two home runs. And Larry Boer comes out in the paper that uh, his pitching staff needs to uh, back me off the plate. And what happens the first at-bat against Shaw, I hit a home run. So now I, I have six home runs and uh, just about four games against the Padres. The next time up, Shaw being a sinker ball pitcher, usually sinker ball pitchers pitch down in the strike zone because that ball kind of rides in and it finds you, especially if it's up. And uh, Benito Santiago, who was the uh, catcher at the time, called for uh, a slider away, first first pitch slider away, which was a ball. And uh, he wanted the same pitch away, and Shao shook, and he threw the sinker, you know, up. I, was, I wasn't I was able to uh, pick the ball up right away because uh, with, with sinker balls, as, a, as I said, they ride in. So when I, when I was able to locate it, I put my elbow up with the uh, hopes of it, you know, uh, if it was going to hit me, it would hit me in the arm area. But what happened is it grazed my bicep. It went underneath um, my arm and it hit me in the chin area. Yes, uh, that's that's a sound that, you know, you'll, you'll remember all of your life. And I was, I was down. Uh, the thing about that is your eyes close. Uh, and you're struggling to get up, and your eyes are not open, uh, but you can hear everything around you. And I was told, uh, well, I could hear, keep him down, keep him down, don't let him get up. And, of course, Sutcliffe, I can see uh, at that point, uh, Sutcliffe and uh, the benches clearing and everybody out on the field. And Leon Durham made a comment. He said, "It's it's a shame, you know, we... Uh, supposed to be enjoying ourselves, but look at the guy's face. And I didn't know what my face looked at, looked like at the time. And uh, once that comment was made, I was, I was a, a raging bull in a sense because I got up <laughs> as quickly as I can, and I was trying to locate. And I, I said, "Where is he? Where is he?" And I heard someone say, "He's behind the mound." And the only thing I could think of was looking behind the mound and trying to find him. And at that point, uh, the umpire was was kind of escorting him toward the dugout and off the field. Mm -hmm. So it was, um, it was in a sense, uh, uh, you don't really feel anything. It's just that loud sonic boom. Uh, and, uh, you know, you're out for a few seconds or whatever. But scary moment, you know, it, it didn't back me off the plate. I'm not a, right. a crowded plate hitter, but I do uh, anticipate uh, the opposition trying to get me out in and in, in away. And what I try to do is take the middle half or uh, the inner part of the plate from them. By the way, Andre, I'm curious your take on this. At the, at the end of the 87 season, um, were you surprised? I mean, you had such a great year. Your stats, I remember, were like you know forty nine home runs. You just you, you were so much better than anybody else statistically. That I remember debating with friends. I friends were saying like, "You can't win the MVP." They were last place. I'm like, yeah, "But he was the best player in baseball," and you won it. 
Were you surprised? Not because I mean you had such a great season, but were you surprised that you won it because the Cubs as a team didn't have a good year? Well, it was about time uh, because I had <laughs> I had finished the runner up twice in Montreal. Yep. Uh, once to Dale Murphy and on the other occasion to Mike Schmidt, and I always tell those guys, you know, you stole my MVP award. But um, <laughs> no, I, I wasn't surprised. Um, uh, it never even really dawned on me that it had never occurred before. But it was a mm-hmm. career year for me, and uh, obviously, I think um, f- there was finally fair play turnaround in a sense, and. Uh, yep. Being that, you know, the circumstances surrounding uh, collusion and how I had to get to Chicago. And mm-hmm. uh, again, it being a career year for me, uh, I was obviously uh, pleased and excited that I had finally won the award. By the way, when in that offseason, the Cubs, I'll never forget this trade because I was so angry. The Cubs traded Lee Smith to the Red Sox. For Al Nipper and Calvin Schiraldi, I will nobody will ever have to remind me because I will remember that trade. I remember hearing it on the radio, and I was so furious because Lee Smith was like he would come in and he was intimidating as hell on that mound, and I loved watching him pitch as the sun was setting at Wrigley Field. What was your reaction when the Cubs traded Lee Smith that winter? Well, they slowly started to uh, break the team up. It was almost the nucleus of the team that had won it in '84, but. Uh, That's what happens when you finish in the cellar. Uh, The team decides to, you know, try to move on and bring in some of the younger personnel. But it's, you know, it's the nature of the game. And as a a teammate, as a player, uh, you hate to uh, see relationships relinquished like that. But again, being that that's a part of the game, you wish them well as they move on and, uh, you know, they venture in a different direction. A couple of years later, you guys go to the playoffs in 89. That was that crazy series where Mark Grace got like 100 hits and Will Clark got 300 hits. I felt like he got a hit every time. Was What was that like playing in that series? Uh, because it felt closer than the, the final numbers were. But it, it was – was I mean, I, obviously, I, wa- I wanted you guys to win, but it was, it was a hell of a series to watch from the outside. Yeah, I, it was a disappointing series for me because I was hobbled to a degree. Uh, facing uh, knee surgery, uh, obviously, right at the at the end of the season itself. But I I just wanted, I told Don Zimma, you know, I, I need to be there. I don't think that uh, we uh, could win this series if I'm not in the lineup. Obviously, uh, you don't want to hurt your ball club. But uh, he, they took a, you know, a gamble, a risk, and in, in, uh, inserted me and had me play Anyway, and yes, I struggled through the series. After the series was over, I had knee surgery three days later. But I look back at that, we sort of overachieved in a sense because we weren't expected with uh, young talent, uh, two rookies actually, being in the lineup uh, to go as far as we did. And we thought that it would be a better series. We We felt we did match up real well against the Giants. They had a hot wheel clock at the time, and Mark Grace, obviously, uh, for yeah. the Cubs, was swinging the bat real well. Uh, but we, we did, we fell short, uh, but it was, you know, a learning experience and a degree for a lot of the younger players, and, you know, we just looked forward to getting back 
uh, to postseason play because we thought we had the elements in place. Yeah. Yeah, it never really fully – it was funny because I believe Jerome Walton and, and Dwight Smith finished 1-2 in Rookie of the Year that year, but neither of them really – their careers kind of went you know, off the path a little bit after that. Are you, were you surprised that those guys didn't have better careers? Well, Walton, uh, being the, the Rookie of the Year, uh, looked very promising as a leadoff hitter, but he started to encounter uh, hamstring problems and ultimately needed surgery. As a result, and uh, he would experience that in both of his hamstrings, and that uh, kind of took his toll with him and turned his career in a different direction. Uh, Dwight Smith, uh, obviously, being the hitter that he was, uh, went ahead and uh, he uh, played for the Cubs a few years more and then on to Atlanta. Uh, but Atlanta had, you know, a lineup that had the nucleus of players who were going to play on an everyday basis. So it, it, yeah. it relegated uh, Dwight to being uh, a spot starter, but more so a pinch hitter. And, uh, you know, you you kind of hope that uh, you can be consistent uh, for the duration of your career and uh, play uh, at that level the way you are capable of. But uh, the uncertain thing is, you know, pitching – uh, kind of makes the adjustment to you, and uh, you have to counter. And in the instance of uh, these two, who were very good ball players at the outset of their career, it just didn't happen. Andre, you get in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I know all Cubs fans are excited. Expos fans, of course, excited too. You and Gary Carter are the only Hall of Famers that have the Expos logo. But if I remember correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong, please, you wanted to go in as a Cub, right? And they wouldn't, the Hall wouldn't let you. Is that correct? Well, Tim Raines is the other. Uh, oh, Tim Raines, that's Hall a bad job. Fame, right? Yes, of course. Yeah, but yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, uh, we yeah. were supposed to sit down and uh, talk about uh, what emblem I was going to wear on my hat. It never did happen. Uh, the committee, uh, they uh, had me uh, read, uh, I should say, uh, look at a letter that they doc they uh, were going to document for a public release uh, when I attended a batch dinner in New York. And um, I was amazed in a sense because we never really sat down. And uh, my wishes at the outset was that I wanted to go in as a cub for many personal reasons. And that uh, it didn't happen, but you know, I didn't want to beat a dead horse with it. I just said, uh, as tough as it was to to get into the Hall of Fame, it took nine years. Uh, that was first and um, foremost the important thing. But uh, I really uh, had my sights uh, set on as going in uh, as a Cub for, as I mentioned, for some personal reasons. When the Cubs did win the World Series in 2016 as a former Cub, as a Cub who had gone to the playoffs, who knows how desperate the fan base was to win a World Series, what was what was your reaction? What was that like for you when the Cubs finally did it in that epic game <laughs> against the then Indians? Actually, I was at home uh, watching that game, but I, I threw out the first pitch in game five, and uh, the Cubs were down. I was there, I remember. The Cubs were down three games to one, and I can remember yeah. having a conversation with Madden 
And he said, we're going to win this game. Uh, we need to get away. Uh, I think the guys are pressing a little bit. And uh, they pulled it off. They won. They came back and they won game five. And I was at home watching uh, game six and game seven. And the funny thing about game seven, uh, I was supposed to um, make an appearance at Wrigley Field if they won the game. And if they lost, then Kenny Lofton was going to do the same thing in Cleveland. But what happened was I, I neglected to pack because I didn't want to jinx them. <laughs> so I didn't pack. And they're winning the game. They're winning the game. Uh, and it's the eighth inning. And I said, I better go pack because I have a 6 a.m. flight. Uh, I throw some things together very quickly, and I come back, and I'm watching the game. And all of a sudden, the score is tied. And I said, oh, my God, I did jinx them. So now, fast forward, now we go to extra innings, well, there's the rain debate, and then we go to extra innings, mm -hmm. and they're able to pull the game out, and now I got to watch the celebration. And once the final out was recorded, I don't know, I jumped so high, and I think everyone that had ever worn a Cubs uniform was very excited um, at that particular moment. So I was able to watch a little bit of the celebration, and then I looked at my clock, and it was almost 2 o'clock in the morning, Eastern time. Yeah. So from that point, I, I tried to get a, a couple of quick hours in before I was headed off to the airport uh, to get to Wrigley Field okay. and, and uh, do the appearance that I was scheduled to do. All right, we're wrapping it up with the great Andre Dawson, the Hall of Famer, the multiple-time All-Star, great player, tough guy, great hitter. And what maybe the average baseball fan doesn't know, especially the young fan, not only were you a great hitter, great power hitter, uh, intimidating presence at the plate, but you were legendary for your cannon arm in right field. But I got to say, I got to ask you, who do you think had the more, the bigger cannon arm, you or Sean Dunstan. I know he played shortstop, but I think he broke Grace's hand probably 15 times to throw him at, at least. So oh, had better well, the oh, that's an easy one. Uh, well, Sean had to throw <laughs> the ball. Sean had to throw the ball probably all of 90 to 100 feet. Uh, even even <laughs> even shorter distance than that, you know, if it was, uh, you know, right. a slow roller in the infield. But being an outfielder, yeah. you, you have a stronger arm because you got to get more carry on your throw. And the one thing about right. Sean, I love him to death, but uh, when we would take infield and outfield, he would cut a lot of my throws on purpose uh, from right field to third base. And I said, okay, all right, that's how you want to play the game. I'll just throw the ball to third base on the fly, and you can't catch, you can't cut that one. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he was, yeah, Sean, uh, one of the stronger arms that I saw, uh, ever saw from the shortstop position. By the way, Sean, who, of course, uh, grew up in Brooklyn, and he went to Jefferson High School in Brooklyn, which was uh, a school that my dad actually taught at. Not at the time Sean was there, but he, he taught at it. And we had heard about the legend of Sean Dunstan in Brooklyn, and, I, and my dad took me to see him play in high school once because he hit like 790 as a, as a senior. I remember that. Anyway, Andre, let's wrap it up with this. And I appreciate the time so much. Um, 
now as a Hall of Famer, when you go back for the ceremony, and I know COVID, you know, got got in the way for a couple of years, but now that we're kind of finally normalizing again, uh, what's that like now going back all these years and being that one of the veteran Hall of Famers and 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 welcoming the new guys in? But now it's uh, so peaceful and serene because uh, the new uh, inductees are the ones that have to do all their work. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, you enjoy going back and um, supporting um, uh, the guy that's going to get in or the individuals that are going to get in. And as I say, they are, they're the ones that uh, have uh, really uh, a, a tough schedule uh, when it comes to what uh, they have to do for the weekend. But uh, it's always exciting to see the guys uh, and be up on that stage once again. And uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of uh, camaraderie um, amongst the group there. You know, I like to think that some of my prima donnas in a sense also. But, uh, no, as I, as I mentioned, yeah, you, you look forward to that weekend. Um, it, it, it's fun-filled and exciting. And it, it, let's say it's just good to see the guys once again. Andre, so such a pleasure having you on. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much for joining me. Okay, bro. Thank you. It's my pleasure. You're in the bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. Man, that was amazing talking with Andre Dawson. Uh, you know, I, I fanned out a little bit. There's no doubt about it. The guy is was an idol as a kid. Great player, tough player, great stories. That uh, story about charging the mound with Eric Shaw was fascinating. Uh, I still remember being angry at that time. It was great having him on. Thanks to everybody for joining me as always. Thanks to Monzo for producing. I'll be back on Friday. Where else? But right here in the bullpen with Adam the Bull. Brought to you by Bet Rivers. See ya. Thanks for listening to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network.